I feel prayed for. I feel prayed for in the house. Amen. I bring you greetings from the Avenue Community Church, Presbyterian Baptist Pentecostal. We got it all covered. It's good to be with you. Um, no, man, it, it really is good to be with you. This, You don't know this, but um, first of all, kudos to you all for being a part of a church that takes churches. Praise God for you and your leadership. Praise God uh, just for the testimony of Midtown Baptist across this city. I'm serious. Um, you ought to just pause real quick and clap your hands for yourselves and for your leadership. You know, it, it, it is, it's important to stay connected, obviously, in the epistles. We see, you know, how Paul is oftentimes referring to churches in Macedonia and these people, and we love this, and we long to see you, and we miss you, and we want to impart things to you. And praise God for days like this where I could just be connected with my other brothers and sisters in this city. And literally, man, I, I was just excited this week, right? I love my church, and I love preaching there, and I miss the fact that I am not with them today. But I love the opportunity I get to stand and encourage my brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's all I wanted to do. It's like, man, I know that your journey is hard, right? The, the, I know that the planting of a church is very hard, right? It's complex and it's difficult. Um, and I know sometimes you just got to have some people come alongside in the journey and say, just keep going. We're rooting for you. And I, just, I just hope that today I could journey in this city matters to the whole body of Christ. What emerges from this room, what emerges from your time together, it matters, y'all. And so your life means something to me, and I'm deeply invested in it. And so I just want to passion Josh and Big Cat, all them Catlins. Man, y'all know they have their own elementary school, the Catlins. It's crazy. They give me a privilege of being a part of that elementary that they go to. But uh, love them. Uh, shout out to um, my fam, Bam, who's also in the room. My oldest son decided he did not want to come to your church today. <laughs> and my youngest daughter, who's not with us too. But my wife and my, my middle son, Luke, is here. Uh, it's important that Luke is here. He's going to feature prominently in today's message. Uh, so I'm glad that he made the journey. Uh, and to uh, my, my member, my brother, who also made the trip to Els, I love you, baby. Thank you. That's so encouraging to see your people, too, when they come through to hear you preach God's word. Um, some people have asked, first of all, it's going to be some more yelling. I'm going to turn it up a little bit because I, I just be excited. I apologize. You know what I'm saying? But charge to my head, not my heart. I'm a recovering football player, and I just never got it out me. So it's just... People is like, is he angry? I don't know if he's just excited. I do mean that. I just, I don't know what else to do but just start yelling. So I apologize in advance. Um, but uh, I am a military brat. Uh, I got a chance to hug a bunch of y'all coming in the door. Turkey, upstate New York. Um, and then I end up settling in Mobile, Alabama, which is uh, where I would eventually meet my lovely wife, Gina. Um, and then I uh, went to college uh, in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. And came back to Mobile, Alabama, and now here I am in, um, in 2017. We started, um, we pulled together our core team, and, and we started to um, plant the avenue. And we'll celebrate year five, God say the same, in September. So that's, that's where I am. But um, I am the son of uh, this, this Air Force guy um, whose name is Joseph Johnson. And uh, uh, he's a really, really cool dude. Uh, I miss him. 
um, but I'm really grateful for the first 18 years of my life that I had with him. Because I do believe he, he really set a, 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 an indelible picture of what uh, a father is for me. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot. I'm sure, uh, you know, you hear that a lot, and I just want to qualify that for you. It's like, we, it wasn't that we didn't have nothing, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not from the bottom of the bottom. You know, people are infatuated with that rags to riches story. You know what I'm saying? You ever meet somebody who like, yeah, we grew up and we didn't have nothing, and I'm like, bruh. Mm-mm. No, not you. You know what I'm saying? But, so I just want to let you know, I am not saying that we are the family who didn't have nothing. But I am saying we are the family that I think most of y'all guys with. We were like, you know, hey, Dad, can I get those new Air Jordans? And Dad was like, mm, why don't we get the Shaquille O'Neal's from Walmart? So we was in that bracket. Whatever that bracket was, that's what we was doing. You know, Dad, can we go to Soulfish? Mmm, how about we go to, uh, 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 what, what's the name of the, uh, the, the chicken we like from Target in the, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, Super Low. Let's go to Super Low, and we can make the same meal for about $50 less. Amen. We was in that kind of bracket, right? Um, so my dad, though, but, but he loved me. He took great interest in me. Um, this is the kind of man I, I hope to be that I fail a lot. At, um, by God's grace, man, I was receiving that prayer today. Um, that is not the life I want to live, and that's not the life, at least in my adolescence, that my dad gave us. He took a lot of interest in me, um, and, and man, you know, I was a kid, so kids ask for a lot of things, don't we? It's like, can I get a trip to Disney World? Can I go to this? Can I do that? And so, you know, about the time that I was really in my athletic phase, it was always like, man, can I get some new gear, you know? And I knew you know, mama made it very clear. There was not extra margin for nothing else. You get, But I'm like, dad, can I get the new gloves? And dad would be like, man, you know, I can't, you know. Uh, and, but man, one of the lasting impressions I always have of my dad is that somehow, some way, he just always came through. It'd be like the first game. I don't want to start crying yet. It'd be like the first game. And I know I grew up with siblings in the house. We really didn't have the stuff, man. We didn't have the extra margin to do the things. When my daddy picked me up from school, the ceiling from the roof of our car was just falling down. It's like, damn, man, I, you know, you know, that we knew he was coming when he pulled around the corner. So it was always a lot of that. But you know what? Every time I needed something, it would almost be like, come here, boy. I got something for you. It's like, dang, Dad, you, how'd you? And I don't know how he came up with this stuff. I don't know who he borrowed it from, who he got to pay back, what extra he worked. I don't know, but he always seemed to be able to come through. I want to talk to you today just for a couple brief minutes about another kind of father who encourages us to keep asking him things. He's not like your daddy, my daddy. He's not like Tim Johnson, who is exhausted by all the incessant requests that comes with parenting. But he's a God who commands you, ask me. Ask me. Things great, things small, things in between. Ask me. And I'm a good father, and I delight in taking care of the needs of my children. So that's what we'll lay on today, right? That we have a powerful father who loves us. And because of that, we know the conversation about legalism coming through. None of us are going to get into glory because of how many times we prayed. 
Ain't going to happen. Hold on. Let me check the log. It seems like you missed a day or two or a week or a month. Oh, your prayer was only 20 minutes. It should have been five. Ain't nobody getting in the glory because of them kind of metrics, right? So let's take the legalism stuff off the table. We ain't talking about that right now. But what we are talking about is this. Listen at me. If you don't hear anything else I say, it is because you have a good and loving father who is all powerful. That no matter how many times you falter in prayer, you've got to keep turning back. Keep coming back to prayer. So what is prayer? In the Old Testament, the Psalters, you know, oftentimes you can hear about calling on the name of the Lord. And as honestly, that's one of the ways that I, I think we could probably codify what, what we are as Christians. Who, we, who are we as Christians? We're people who call on the name of the Lord, Acts 2.21. That's how we're saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? They'll be saved, absolutely. But it's not just only how we are saved, it's how we live. We're people who consistently call on the name. This Easter, I think it was shock for some of us. You know, people pe- hitting each other with the palm branches. You know what I'm saying? Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're like, man, uh, uh, I think we think that's just a praise. It's actually a prayer. Save us, we pray. That's what we're saying. Hosanna, save us. We are the people who are always calling and casting our cares on him. And that's not a sign of weakness. That is a sign that we know whose we are. We've rightly understood what we are capable of. And we've cast our cares on the only one who can do anything about anything. That's who we are, people of God. So with that being said, I really honestly, I sent the the script to Josh. He was like, you only going to preach one sentence of the Lord's Prayer? I was like, yeah, there's just one sentence, just one. We, we got, I'm going to read it all real quick, so be with me in Luke 11. And just we'll read it all, but I'm only going to focus on the first praise. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a theological mutt, so I got a lot of things going on. I'm going to give you, I'm going to preach from the tradition of the Puritans who would literally preach six hours on one verse. <laughs> and, uh, but I would also say, too, that in my own time, I've been reading through some catechisms, and this is one largely inspired um, by the Heidelberg Catechism. This has really blessed my heart, and so I'll just kind of share a lot of it from you. But let's, let's turn to God's Word. Let's read it real quick. Luke 11, we'll read verses 1 through uh, 4. And he was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father... Your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us into temptation. This is the word of the Lord. And we thank him for it. So let's let's just lean in real quick. Um, In that catechism I was reading, it it just focuses on, on that first phrase. And it says, why does God command us to call God our father? And I just believe literally that first sentence, right? This whole idea of whenever you pray, um, this is what you say. Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come. That phrase right there sets the tone for the whole rest of the other thing, right? It's on which basis we are coming. It's very akin. Listen to Nehemiah's prayer in the very first chapter of his account. Inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. So what we're doing first, I wonder if we could be disciple today. We can make this didactic. Maybe we should incorporate this truly. Like Jesus wasn't just teaching us 
a prayer that we could pray with our little sports teams and, and the cute little prayers that we memorize at night, that this was something we should have never graduated from, that the model prayer actually is teaching us how we are to approach God. And it says, hey, man, before we even get started, let me just remind you who I'm praying to. Oh, he's the God of the heavens. How many can I get a witness, somebody? He's awesome. He's great and awe-inspiring. And he, before I go anywhere, before I even listing off one more petition, I just want to remind myself and you that you are the covenant-keeping God. And now let me pray. Come on, man. How many of y'all, I bet your life could be so impacted, your prayer life could be so impacted, if before you even started the petitions, you remind yourself who you praying to. And I bet you do less worrying in front of God and really asking your daddy what you want. This is a tradition. He says, start with five. a specific group of people who have forever had your identity changed, forgiven by the blood of Christ, chosen before the foundations of the world. Come on, justified freely by his grace, filled with his spirit. It's only a select group of people on this planet who can make those claims and actually call God their father. Now, you realize that, hey, the ungodly man can say, Lord, save me, but he can't call God his father. That's my daddy. He says you better approach him as your father. And it's one of the primary biblical images of our relationship with God is paternal. It's him as our father. Deuteronomy 32, 6, right? Is this, this is just a rebuke that is actually happening right now. Is this how you repay the Lord, you foolish and sinless people? Isn't he your father and creator? John keeps it further, and as he opens up Christ's life on earth, he unpacks for us in verse 12 that all the people who received him, he gave them the right to be what? Children of God. That's the great and rich benefit that you get when you are forgiven. You get the right to be called his child. We have we kind of messed up the steps. Like, you know, man... He has atoned for our sins. But you know, the forgiveness was only the entry point. It's not the end game. <laughs> you realize that? Like he forgave you for something. The forgiveness was not the end of your story. It was just the beginning. Now I'm his child. And that means everything. And the, the cool thing about him being our parent you know, this is why we try to be good parents. Forgive me, Luke, Lily, and Noah. We try to be good parents because we know this is the image that we will be swept into, this understanding that we'll be discipled into more and more that we have a heavenly father. And he's not just a father. He's a good father. As a matter of fact, the commentators, when, when in John 10, when he starts talking about God being the good shepherd, that word, the adjective good, is not just a, you know, uh, uh, it's not a barometer on just, oh, man, he's a good father. No, the word good actually, like, it's he's in a whole separate category. He's actually the standard for which all fathers are measured. 
When God is a father, he's not a father. He is the father, right? He's the standard by which all the fathers are measured. And I know some of y'all have bad fathers. And I know some of y'all are really grateful for the parents you have in your life. And can I tell you that God supersedes all of them? His attention to detail, his sensitivity, his kindness, his mercy. He is the standard setter for all of those who would call themselves fathers. And as a matter of fact, when we look in Luke 11, we get to this prayer. It's so cool. Later on, if you skip down to verse 5, this is just, it's a, it's a, it's a quick little parable about a friend who kind of comes in and at making a big request, right? And all of a sudden, uh, you know, he's like, hey, man, it's midnight, friend. Would you let me in? And the friend's like, man, my kids already sleep. Y'all know how we do. Man, look, man, you know, man, the wipe down and, you know, and just, you know, this is the wrong time. But it goes on to say that, hey, man, the friend, the other friend will end up maybe providing for the friend in need, maybe not just on the basis that he's my friend, but just because of his persistence. And then that leads on into this whole idea of ask, not. Receive, verse 9, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Here's the, here's the divine principle for all time. Verse 10, for everyone who acts receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And on which basis should we persist in prayer? On what basis should we keep knocking and asking, God? Well, what father among you? of you being my child and I being your father. That's why you keep asking, because what father among you, his, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if it, he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Can I get somebody to say how much more? Will the heavenly father give those who ask him? You do Chris Tomlin wrote that song, I think. He's a good, good father. But it's not just poetry. It is actually true that you do have a good, good father who wants good things for you. And maybe I came here today just to make you wrestle with that. I was doing some marriage counseling this week, and I'm sitting down with literally the husband and the wife in two separate sessions. So do you believe, essentially, God can revive this? Pastor, I know he's powerful. I know he can do anything. I know he split that billion-gallon sea so people could walk across dry land into that land. I know he raised from the grave, but I know he can do things, but I'm not sure he can do them for me, and I'm not sure he wants to do them for me. I'm here to expose it. I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. And I'm here to tell you that if you are his child, then you will have to wrestle with the fact, do I actually have a father who loves me and is he capable of changing things in my life? And even if he doesn't, will it be for my good? The commentary just says, why would God choose to say in how we pray that we should first call him father? Catechism says, just to awaken in us that at the very beginning of our prayer, there is a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our Father. And that just as our parents do not refuse us the things of this life, 
even less will God our Father refuse to give us what we ask him in faith. He says, start with Father. Then he says, your name be honored as holy. And that's what we were talking about. That word holy just means to be consecrated, to be set apart, right, to be cleaned up. But it also just means that our God is in a class by himself. We just sang it. Um, in holy, holy, holy. Beside him, there is no other. Spend a little less time on that, but it's woven throughout the rest of the message. That last three words of that opening phrase is your kingdom come. Come majesty as something earthly. And to expect everything we need for body and soul from God's almighty power. What do you mean, preacher? John 18, 36. Jesus is standing for Pontius Pilate. And they're trying to figure out, bro, you coming to take my spot, your spot, Herod's spot? Which kingdom you representing? Jesus is like, yo, don't worry, brother. My kingdom is not of this world. When we pray, your kingdom come. Or if some of you pray in the way you memorize, memorize it, our Father who art in heaven. When you start talking about kingdoms and you start talking about heaven, that is to remind you in your prayer that your daddy ain't from here. He don't play by these rules and he's not confined by them either. And we need to start early with that. Before we start getting to God heal my child. Before we start getting to God direct me to my new job. Before we start getting to God heal the city. Hey, let me start with, hey, my daddy ain't from here. And ain't nothing he can't do. Man, we, we move by this, right? We got, it's so funny. There's, there's this, this, this real strange thing happening. I think the secular world is becoming more spiritual. Crystals and balls and incense and smells and uh, universe, manifesting. So the secular world is becoming more. You need to remind yourself your daddy is outside of these dimensions. Come on, man. He's sitting there with Nicodemus. I've been preaching John 3. This is fresh on me. And Nicodemus is like, yo, I'm a Jew of all Jews. I've studied under. I know the law. And now here you go talk, talking to me about being born again? What is that? Oh, yeah, that's spirit stuff, Nicodemus. You can't learn that. What does it mean? Oh, poor Nicodemus. See, I'm telling you about earthly things and you're not receiving me. How could I tell you about heavenly things? That spirit stuff, Nicodemus, is what I'm talking about. And you don't understand that because I'm not from here. And the only way that any one of us can understand spirit stuff is that the only one who has ascended into heaven has to come down and bring us spirit stuff. Come on, I know I'm preaching, but it's all right. Amen, lights and walls. I'm in here. I'm in here. Do you realize that? Or in your carnality, have you settled for the fact that your being born again actually has no implication on your life? And that there's nothing actually different about you and the secular man's plight? Y'all have the same recourses that, you know what, when things, the car is how it goes. Or are you really spirit people? 
begotten from God the Father in the Spirit? And do you have a Father who is in heaven? You got to figure it out. But I've got good news today for you. That when that body was stretched and it was laid in that tomb and he got up and that empty tomb is visible, they still can't find bones. Not of this world either. And you got options that the regular man does not. He says, my kingdom's not from here. I'm not from here. And when I rose, I rose with all power in my hand. I am the king of the world, and I deal in heavenly matters. I deal in the spiritual world that cannot be confined by this world. Tony Evans on James, as he's preaching James, he said, hey, we need to be quick to hear. And I love his exposition. He's like, hey, man, that's not being quick to hear other people's opinion on the matter. He says we need to be quick to hear the divine matter, God's point of view. Do you realize that you have access? to a spiritual realm that the natural man doesn't. And shame on us if we have let other people despiritualize God's power out of our lives. Paul at the Areopagus, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he does not live in shrines made by hand, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives life and breath to all things. Come on. Our God is the king of the universe. He is the king of the world, and that is your father. Your father is not Joseph Johnson who got to beg, borrow, and steal to give good things to his people. Your daddy actually has everything, and he's got the power to give it to you. And when he doesn't give it to you, he's got the wisdom to know what's best. That's your daddy. Why wouldn't you ask him everything? I think that's the tough part, isn't it? It's like we know, like, He's asking us to ask him about everything. He won't give us everything, but he's still making us ask him. That's a really frustrating part of Christianity. And then you get these scriptures, John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. John 16, 23, and that day you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked me for nothing in my name. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, it will be yours. Man, this is so frustrating because that is in the book. Everybody say, it's in the book. Why? I believe he's called us to ask because he really wants us to wrestle with the truth. That I, I think prayer is less about the outcome and more about the process. Because I believe prayer is actually sanctifying us. I believe that what will be will be because he has foreordained it. But he's calling us to wrestle with whether or not we actually have a good father in heaven who loves us. One, Romans 8. If he didn't spare his own son, will he also with him give us all things? He's forcing us to wrestle with that when we come to him. 
when we stop before we get to our petitions and say, our father, my daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, just that very phrase, do I believe that's true? It's just forcing us to wrestle in there. And can I just tell you, don't be afraid of that. I think frustration comes right before a breakthrough. If we have a good heavenly father, the only appropriate response is to meet him with childlike faith. Would you agree? You know, I love how I think I was in downline the first time I heard Kenny kind of walk through this. He's like, Romans 12, therefore now to present yourselves as living sacrifices, right? But when you get to that therefore, what do you have to do? That's, that's a, a result clause and phrase. So that means as a result of all the things that just became before this, this is what we need to do now. And I believe that because of the finished work of Christ, because he actually did what he claimed he said he was going to do, because of what he's done for us and all the benefits he says he provides for us, the only response we have is just to say, if you're telling me you're a good, good father, then I guess all we can do is respond with childlike faith. And can I just tell you about childlike faith? First of all, we got any teachers in the room? We got any elementary school teachers? We got a couple. That is the happiest place on earth. I have been a volunteer uh, crossing guard for five years. It's the best job in all of the universe. I really do it. it people say, oh, Mr. Johnson, you're so happy. And they don't know what I just, how much I just fuss leaving out of my house. Coming here. And Gina's not, and she like, it's true. This is not just the energy. It's just so positive. And babies are so sweet. And I've always said, you don't need to do a birthday party in a club. If you ever want to feel good about your birthday, celebrate a birthday in the elementary school. Hey, it's Mr. Johnson's birthday. You know, it's just all the love, just everywhere. And then I could be walking down. All I am, all I am is the traffic guard. And I, can I just tell you, the amount of little people who have just ran up and hugged my thighs, they don't just, they don't know any better. When you are remotely safe and you are even tangentially connected to people they trust, you in the club. I'm talking about, whoa, hey, little buddy, I don't even know your name. I don't know your mama. I don't know what grade you're in. But they just trust. What is your response like to your good, good father in heaven? See, what happens as an adult, I'm a black man who lives in East Memphis, so it's, it's kind of weird. I'm a runner. You know, one of the stinky things about living in a broken world is people clutch their purses. People go on the other side of the street. It's okay. You don't have to feel it. It is what it is. Because as adults, our brain scans for danger. And so it precludes us. We are very much obstinate to just, we, as a matter of fact, as an adult, you are looked down upon for just childlike trusting in things. You are esteemed for scrutinizing things. But not so in the kingdom of God. You don't scrutinize his claims. 
you either accept him or you don't. Either he is who he says he is or he's nothing to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Either he's going to be your king and good, good father or he's nothing to you. But you don't get Jesus as the teacher and the savior. Either he's the savior and the Lord or he's not the teacher. You're not learning anything from him. Come on. And I'm telling you today, he wants to prove over and over that I am a good father. And I want to keep proving it to you if you would just receive me with faith. So my son Luke, he has no problem with the asking. Okay, we do that. Baby Luke, do that. We actually had to have a conversation. This is a real analogy. It's like, he was like, I was like, Luke, where you want to go eat? Dad, what about a soulfish? This is one of those nights where we didn't spend full day at work, 35 minutes driving to Collierville, just left White Station High School, got a 35-minute ride back to home, and still got to try to feed people, get them down. And we like, brother, my brother, you know, he don't care. He go ask. And I don't ever want him to stop asking. He can keep asking. Because he, he trusts. He's like, hey, man, y'all can make the decision. I'm just going to keep asking. Never, never belligerent. He's just, I'm going to keep asking. But I love his grandparents were up last week. And uh, we praise God for the grandparent ministry. <laughs> and I don't know if he knows it or not, but, you know, mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa, we in two different tax brackets. We got different situations going on. But I love it because when they come and their grandparents are doing such a good job, when they leave, they bless them kids. Just money. Who wants a car? Everybody get a car. Come on. Here, get it. And you know, you can, you can hate on that, but you know, if you're a parent and you don't delight in seeing the smile on your baby's face, I'm not saying we always do it perfectly, but that's the bar we esteem to. We want to see them happy and flourishing. And if we want to see it, how much does your heavenly father want to see you full of life, full of joy? I close that just by saying this, y'all. When you say, our father who is in heaven, when you say, father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The reason why that is being formed into you is so at the very least before you start asking, you could at least settle in your heart. I have a daddy who is loaded, who loves me. <laughs> he got all the capability. And he's got all the genuine and sincere desire for me and my flourishing. Now, why am I preaching this to y'all? Because I know I pastor a church. You, you'll be like revelations. You'll serve people. You'll be kind. You'll teach God's word. And you will miss out on the great adventure of truly living by faith and living with joy and peace in your hearts. If you don't tap into your childlike faith, 
You'll get there and it'll be begrudging. Or you could be the kid who just asks their father who loves them. Would you close your eyes real quick? Message on prayer, I just feel like it's only fitting. Just from maybe my heart. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. It's my favorite part. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain. Oh, because we do not care. Carry everything to God in prayer. And have Is there trouble? Anywhere. Children of God, we should never be discouraged. What you going to do? I'm going to take it to the Lord in prayer. Because can we find a friend so faithful? Come on, stand to your feet. Ooh, will all our sorrow share? Jesus knows my every weakness. Take it to the Lord. Would you just close your eyes with me? We are people who call on your name. We have been doing in our natural life has tried to groom us and mature to us to a place where we are less dependent upon other people, other things, and other systems. It has tried to prepare us to become more independent. But in that as we grow in you, we realize and we cherish how dependent we actually are on you. Would you forgive us for how we've doubted that you're a good father? And God, would you give us the courage to persist in faith. We rebuke that nasty devil in Jesus' name. The one right now trying to tell us what you can or can't do, the one right now that's trying to tell us whether we're worthy to approach you, God, we ask that you'd muzzle him in the name of Jesus. And God, give us grace to continue to call on the name of our good, good father. Amen.